You can subscribe to the show at kevinbarrett.substack.com. Welcome back. This is the second hour of tonight's live broadcast of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth by bringing on folks who are willing to call it the way they see it and whose analysis is probably a little bit outside of the establishment's Overton window. Tonight we're talking about vaccines and COVID. The, uh, we, have we come out of this uh, pandemic emergency yet? I guess so, yeah, thanks to Putin, right? Putin invaded Russia. Suddenly, instead of the, uh, oh my God virus, it was the, oh my God Russians, specifically, oh my God Putin, and the state of emergency continues. And it kind of seems like that's the way they want it. And they need accountability, apparently. We should be demanding accountability for the way that our world is being mismanaged. Helen Bynisky of HelenOfDestroy.substack.com has written a, a terrific new piece demanding accountability for the COVID atrocities, which she says are not accidents. The article is Atrocities Aren't Accidents. And uh, it's, it's really a, a great piece. Highly recommended. So let's talk about it. Hey, welcome, Helen. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. How are you? Okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Uh, so you, you're obviously uh, not convinced by Emily of the Atlantic magazine that we need a pandemic amnesty and all the bad things that anybody did during this horrible pandemic should be forgiven and forgotten. Well, I mean, even she's not convinced. So she, so she, if you read her article, if you could have the stomach to stomach her article, she she leaves out the people who, quote unquote, deliberately spread misinformation. So it's like she's not even sincere in her insincerity. It's uh, like multiple <laughs> levels of complete like nonsense. So, yeah, this, this, this whole, the, the atrocity thing, I mean, the, the amnesty thing, rather, is uh, it's dead in the water. There's, there's no no chance of that happening. And, and anybody who just who thinks that this is the one time that after lying to us for the last three years constantly, like without a, even the slightest breathing room uh, that, that this one they're going to be honest and actually follow through on yeah uh, i have a bridge to sell you in that case yeah yeah well em- emily oster hasn't uh volunteered to come on my radio show <laughs> and uh, declare amnesty for everything that i've been putting out here over the past three years uh so but yeah this issue of accountability is one that we don't really hear much about anymore you know it, it seems that impunity is the rule in everything, especially these red pill issues that I talk about on the show, whether it's the JFK assassination, which Fox News and Tucker Carlson are now admitting that the CIA was involved in. But I don't really see any accountability at the CIA for its institutional complicity in this cover up and this murder of the president. And I don't see a whole lot of people taking uh, responsibility for the either horrific mistakes or atrocities, deliberate atrocities, perhaps in some cases that they did during the pandemic period and are in some cases still doing. Um, it, it, it really seems that there's just total institutionalized impunity these days. And your, your article is uh, kind of an impassioned rant against that. Now, how do we go from, you know, fr- from being outraged to finding a way to bring back some accountability well, I mean, it, I think it starts with understanding how it got this way. I mean, there has definitely been an overarching campaign to make us sort of apathetic and 
just uh, disempowered in in the way that oh it's it's always been like this therefore it will always be like this well it hasn't always been like this I mean people used to actually go out and 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 beyond just protesting I don't mean like marching around with signs and getting nothing done that's like that's a, a theatrics that that unfortunately no longer has the effect it once did but I mean you can actually like put a wrench into the machine in such a way that I mean people can strike people can. Uh, infiltrate people can uh, use their skills in various ways I mean I, I don't want to say use your imagination because that's the point that I make in my article is that any anyone who's been through the school system your imagination has been put to death by the third grade if you're lucky um, and so, so like yeah but but use your imagination um, because the, the, everybody has a, a skill set and everybody can do something and whether it's I mean yes we need parallel systems this is very important because as as um, the state of California is trying to take doctor's licenses away for people who tell the truth about COVID. Um, and there's going to be more and more of that. So, and also if you've got a medical system that is allowing this to be perpetrated, it's discredited anyway. So we need to take over some of those abandoned hospitals that have shut down for lack of patients because, you know, everybody's dying and uh, nobody went to the hospital during COVID anyway, because they were all afraid of getting put on a ventilator, which is a good fear to have, I think. Um, so that and, and uh, I, I don't know, p- parallel other other systems as well, educational systems. Uh, you don't want to send your kid to school uh, because they have to have uh, be injected with a bioweapon. Uh, that's a very good reason not to want to send your kid to the school system, which was brainwashing them anyway. So I think that this has uh, arisen, uh, created a, the a more of an awareness of the need for these parallel systems uh, to have a parallel and entire parallel society. So, I mean, people can work on that. And then from that, you have you become empowered and then you realize you can take on this empire this it's not a monolithic thing that cannot be touched um obviously I, we don't really have time to like create a perfect parallel society and then from that uh vantage point attack the um evil empire but it's it's just a, a something to start on and then you can do two things at once i mean we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time assuming we haven't gotten our brains packed with spike proteins yet but that, that's another thing that like medical professionals really need to be working on the sane ones at least is finding a way to reverse the uh, spike syndrome or whatever you would call it like the the takeover with these proteins or these things that develop in the bloodstream and which I think your previous guest was trying to claim are like totally cool and normal and not like weird at all and well no, and no he, he was just saying that he thinks the virus <laughs> the virus does more of that probably than than the vaccine does um, and that, that's interesting Let, let's tease out like why he might be wrong about that you know uh, and Ron was saying that his latest his new article on Monday is going to be pointing out that throughout the past three years. Uh, a bunch of European countries, the ones with low obesity, have actually had uh, lower than normal mortality among working age people, whereas the U.S., Canada and other countries with high obesity have had higher than normal mortality among working age people. Now, he points out that these countries like France, where working age people are actually living longer than they did pre-pandemic, uh, have very high vaccination rates. Therefore, he argues the vaccine can't really be a huge cause of massive mortality, at least in the short term. Um, how how would we uh, refute that? Well, what kind of vaccines are they giving people in France? Are they mRNA or are they um, non-mRNA? I think they are mRNA, but I'm not sure. Well, that, that would be something you need to check out because um, that, that's a very, very different thing. I mean, the mRNA ones are much more dangerous than uh, the regular ones. I mean, not that I would really want to get injected with any of them, but uh, if you had to pick, there's certain death and there's not so certain death. Um, so there's that. Are, are, are you sure, though, that, that these international statistics bear that out? I, I, I don't I don't know, because I don't know what, what they've gotten injected with. I mean, that's a very it's a, it's a variable that has to be solved for if you're going to actually work with this 
question. Otherwise, you're just throwing uncertainty at the wall because you want to confuse the issue, which I think is what a lot of what he's doing. I, I don't really understand why he's doing that, but uh, that's the impression I get. He's, he's just trying to c- come up with things that people don't have the answers for, that people can't necessarily have the answers for because there are too many variables in this particular equation. And um, like you can't compare apples and oranges to use a cliche. Um, so like, don't try and let's work with what we know. And what we know is that uh, people are dying like at extremely high rates. And even if it was just a case of the vaccine doing nothing, um, the uh, rate of excess mortality in like 18 to what's it, 18 to 40 year olds or something. I, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but uh, the, the, these insurance companies have come out with this and uh, have tried and failed to explain it any other way. And um, this, the fact that it's gone up 40 percent, that's they, they said a 10 percent thing is like a once in a generation catastrophe, like a really terrible, like a war or a natural disaster or something like that. And this is. 40%. This is unheard of in the history of like this profession. So, And this is the um, United States, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the United States. And, it, and it's 2021. It's not 2020. This is not when the pandemic was supposedly wreaking havoc and killing us all, and we all had to hide in our houses because otherwise we were going to kill grandma. This is 2021 when things were supposedly getting under control. And, and it's, again, up this year. The, the, the number I saw for 2022 was uh, 20, 21%. So it's still high. Uh, it's, and it's like, so this is... Um, I mean, we're running out of people to kill, of course, but still. And, and the fact that it's that it's people who have uh, life insurance through their work is also a, a very odd thing because you would think, okay, these should be the healthiest ones. These are people who have steady jobs and like they're uh, young and they have uh, a job that's like good enough to at least have like life insurance benefits. So uh, this idea that they're all dropping dead, uh, COVID wasn't killing young people; it was killing the old and the obese and the sick, and not the young and fit. Right. And and one thing I didn't uh, bring up with Ron that I probably should have, I was intending to, but never got around to it, was that his argument is that the whatever the combination of uh, COVID plus vaccines that is causing this higher, uh, this, this really catastrophic jump in mortality among working age people, which I, I think it's like 18 to 50 something or something like that, that that, that combination it's operating here in the United States, but it's not operating in these European countries. And again, he thinks he's found the, the solution, which is that it all ties in very closely to obesity rates. But my question for Ron, which I didn't get to ask him, <laughs> was, OK, so does that mean that this seeming excess of per- really ultra healthy athletes dropping dead on playing fields that we're seeing is that purely an artifact of people like Mark Chrisman Miller uh, combing the internet to find every last athlete that drops dead on a playing field, and this used to happen all the time, and now it just it's so so it's it's not real, uh, or because obviously you can't explain that through no, obesity, and and, and and it's like two thousand it's up like two thousand percent too, like the the, the athletes thing. So that's they can what try I to thought, cl- yeah. yeah they can try they can try to claim it's normal, but that's just one of these things where they're just lying to your face and you telling you that they pee on your leg and telling you it's raining. Um, it's not that, yeah, this also one, one thing that you have to ask about these European countries is that a lot of countries had a different uh, system for how they recorded COVID deaths versus non-COVID deaths. The United States, we recorded everything as a COVID death. Like if you got in a car accident and died and you had COVID, you were recorded as a COVID death. 
um, these European countries, how did they do it? It's a question that uh, needs to be asked if they can be compared. And again, this is like oof, one of these apples and oranges things. It's, it seems like it, the, there's there is really no way to to know because like to to what extent like would you have to have like two comorbid- comorbidities and then you would say that it was something else, or would it be three, or would it be one, or because like in Italy it turned out that was something like four percent of the deaths were just COVID and then the rest were um, COVID and something else. And so yeah, in the United States, I mean the CDC came out in April 2020, as I recall, and said that uh, yeah we're just recording all respiratory deaths as COVID and there's nothing you can do about it. So like, I mean, if you admit that, then you're, you know, you're not working with like real numbers. And that, that is, I, I have to wonder if that was actually done to deliberately confuse the issue because you can't go back and unravel those statistics. If, if it's been done, like if the, the books have been cooked like 40 times, you can't uncook them. Right. Yeah. And the U.S. statistics are pretty notoriously opaque. Uh, they're slow to develop. They have to be compiled because we don't have a national <coughs> health service. So True. each local regional hospital, private hospitals and so on, they all have their own methods and they kind of gradually get it done and, and you know, send their numbers laid into the next level. And it's it's all pretty confusing. And uh, U.S. statistics are not in good repute among people like Alex Berenson, uh, who trusts the national health statistics from European countries and even Israel a lot more. Personally, I don't trust much that comes out of Israel. But it, it does seem, Helen, that just impressionistically, it's weird that, you know, whatever the, the statistics tell us about these young, ultra healthy athletes dropping on playing fields, it, I mean, I, I never heard of a professional football player before having his heart stop in the middle of an NFL game, as just happened this week with Damar Hamlin. Interesting name, Hamlin, like the Pied Piper of Hamlin, uh, makes you wonder about the mRNA vaccine. Piper's like leading all the young people off the, uh, you know, instead of the rats out of town, right? They were supposed to lead the COVID rats out of town, but now instead they're they're leading the, the kids out of town. Uh, well, they but, deliberately recruited all these celebrities to Pied Piper people into the, the vaccination chambers. I mean, and, and it was just four children. And there's this uh, the one that, that went to the White House. Uh, I forget her name was Olivia something. But she was uh, one, they purposely selected her. She's the big TikTok star or whatever. I don't know how you can be a star on TikTok doing 15 second videos, but uh, it's neither here nor there. Um, they <laughs> if you figure out, tell me because I, I could use another income. <laughs> Yeah, they bring her in and she's uh, pimping the vaccine and, and they do this with a lot of these uh, celebrities. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Pied Pipers out there. But as, as for the uh, football players dropping dead in the middle of the field, the reason you didn't see that is because it didn't happen. And the, the, the fact that they're trying to, like, retcon this into existence is not like, I mean, maybe it's fooling some people. Some people, but I was just talking about this on another show, but they, what they're trying to do is get us to distrust our memories and distrust the evidence of our senses in favor of, like, the narratives they put in front of us. Because they just, like, if you, they, they think if they hit you, with nonstop lies hard enough, you can do, your reality starts to just come unglued, and you figure, okay, well, they can't all be lying, can they? Or they can't be lying about everything, can they? It's like, yes, actually, they can, and they are. But uh, yeah, so so they, this uh, they, they try to make it seem that okay, well, you just don't remember that there were all these people dying because you didn't, uh, nobody brought attention to it. You didn't have a bunch of people throwing disinformation at you and misinformation, and how dare they uh, call into question what the how, how dare they ask questions about this poor guy who's had this health problem and it's like well they're the ones who are on every single headline i mean talk about like a coordinated uh, narrative attack like every single media establishment headline is is saying well this had nothing to do with the vaccine we, we know because this there's never been a chance a sign of this ever happening ever and it's like okay and uh, yet we have 
a story from, uh, I think it was NBC, it was talking about how Pfizer and Moderna are now belatedly having to do uh, safety studies involving myocarditis as a side effect of the vaccine. And there's actually somebody in this story who comes out and says, myocarditis is not associated with cardiac death. Hmm. I mean, so, okay, did you just read, did, did you redefine myocarditis to mean like candy? Is myocarditis now like puppies? Like, because there's a word, myocarditis, that's like, it's associated with, it, it isn't associated with, it's like, one, yeah, so a certain percentage like, of people who have it die from it, don't they? Most of them do. They're talking about mild myocarditis. There never used to be a, a mild myocarditis. You can actually look up the definition of myocarditis on the Mayo Clinic. And if you go to archive.org and you look at the old screenshots of it, it there was never anything about mild until like, uh, maybe 2021 or something like that. It, there's the definition changes. It's one of those shifting definitions because you know we live in a very uh, re- there is no ultimate truth. Truth is what's true for you, or rather true for the narrative managers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually sympathize with Ronan's trying to get to the truth through the, his way of looking at statistics. I thought he did a pretty good job of it, um, but at the same time. It does seem to me that the, uh, the the arguments that there's been a concerted effort to hide whatever level of damage is happening from these vaccines, and I think Ron probably underestimates it a little bit based on uh, my impressions from you know, following the sources that I follow. Uh, but, but that effort to to hide the reality is, you know, to me, really offensive. I mean, even if it turns out that. Various vaccines, you know, call it, they, they harm a certain number of people, they kill a certain number of people, and then they save a certain number of people. And the public health authorities, who, of course, have their palms greased by uh, various kinds of financial interests, end up making the determination that, well, this particular vaccine is going to do more good than harm. So we can't admit the harm, because if there's we admit no the harm, there's no evidence that it's actually saved anyone like <laughs> It's literally, there's no, like, I mean, they've come out with studies that claim this, yes, but there's no, like, those studies are not uh, scientifically valid, and there's literally, like, no, I I think they found out that they would have to vaccinate, like, 20,000 people or something to save, quote-unquote, like, one person, and I don't, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was was some obscene number, and there is no evidence that these things actually have ever done any good for anyone. I mean, there are people they haven't done bad for, yes, there is a placebo effect, yes, but as for, like, have these has getting injected with a toxic soup of like DARPA, DARPA's favorite like fresh baked mRNA uh, going to actually solve any problems that you had? Not unless one of your problems was being alive. <laughs> yeah, well, DARPA, see, and this is another uh, area where I, I think that the vaccine skeptic community, of which I'm a part, by the way, I haven't had any vaccines for many, many, many decades and I certainly didn't have any mRNA concoctions, um, but I, I think that our uh, our vaccine skeptic community uh, may be ignoring kind of the real elephant in the room, which Ron Unz is indeed pointing to to some extent in his work on COVID origins. And that is that, as you say, DARPA is where this is all coming out of. And so rather than looking at this as a case of a public health blunder or worse, what we maybe should be thinking about is like th- this is a situation that's comparable to, you know, if a bunch of you know a military unit goes and gets into a, a, a really catastrophically uh, bad fight and that they never should have gone into and a bunch of them all get shot up and, and messed up. And so they get then treated by the medic. And so then the medic in that particular unit 
uh, botches a job here and then, you know, injects the, some of the wounded soldiers with uh, the wrong stuff there and uh, and really makes a hash of it. And so a bunch of these wounded and, you know, people die, a bunch of other people die. And so who do you blame the whole thing on? Well, it seems to me a lot of us in the vaccine skeptic community are blaming the medic. And well, yeah, you're maybe talking, the you're medic. You're talking about this like this was a mistake, though. There, there was a mistake here. Well, well, yeah, but the, maybe okay. So maybe the medic is deliberately. Uh, the medic is a psychopath who is going around murdering people. Well, I see. I, I would say that actually the killing was planned by the military unit that got into the ill-advised fight, and that's what happened when the U.S. attacked China and Iran with COVID. Uh, so I, it seems to me that we should be first and foremost blaming the military biowar people who brought us this virus and to the extent that they, you know, and of course those are exactly the same people that came up with the so-called vaccines, which were designed to make sure that the country with the huge, the big lead in MRNA technology and in bioweapon technology would be the, continue to be the most powerful empire on earth. That's what the whole thing is about. Um, and I, I think when we recontextualize it that way, we see that it's unlikely it's possible, but it's unlikely that the military people that developed both the virus and the purported antidote deliberately invented a botched antidote. I think it's much more it's likely not, that they deliberately botched. attacked with the virus, but uh, it came up with what they hoped would be an effective antidote that they would be able to use that, that technology on all of their future bio attacks on their adversaries. And I don't think it worked out very well for them. Anyway, that's my yeah, interpretation. If, if, it, if it was botched again, this, we would see powerful people dropping dead in the DARPA, in the U.S. Uh, military, in the uh, in the stratosphere of power. You're not seeing that. These are people who are dropping dead are the ones they want to drop dead. The useless eaters, the uh, Iranian politicians, the um I don't know, the dissident uh, people who stupidly go into a hospital and think they're going to get treated normally. Um, yeah, this, there's, I, I see no evidence of any mistakes being made here because um, if it, there was mistakes, they would be on both sides. Like there would be mistakes made that like uh, actually accidentally came out well for humanity. Like it turns out that this mRNA like cures macular degeneration or something like that. Um, and there's no evidence that any mRNA shot that anybody has taken has like improved something surprising like they, they they the fact that they knew actually before rolling it out to everyone they had the clinical trials which i mean they were bogus clinical trials but they did give this drug to people so like whether they they were certainly not conducted along the lines of a normal clinical trial but they were there were things that were in the shape of clinical trials so they knew ahead of time that these things killed people that these things caused horrible suffering uh paralysis uh brain damage um like myocarditis of course and yet they did it and they continued the rollout anyway. So that, that to, to me, that's multiple levels of premeditation, uh, malice, of forethought. Um, th this is like, th there, there, there's no mistake here. Th th maybe maybe they initially, when they were working on, they've been working on this technology for like a decade. Um, Moderna was has not put out any real products, but they've been working on this mRNA platform as a the drug delivery system for 10 years. And uh, getting shitloads of investments, uh, sorry, I, probably not supposed to swear, uh, large amounts of investments from um, various corners of, like, the sort of people you would expect to be funding a ruling class uh, extermination project. So, like, I, I, again, I, I don't see any element that this is anything other than, I mean, uh, any indication that this is anything other than a premeditated, um, malicious a a attempt to, 
kill large numbers of people, cause immense suffering. Not even necessarily kill large numbers of people because there is an advantage in war to causing your enemy to get really, really sick so that instead of just being dead and then you're done with them and you can move on and fight back, you have to care for all of these sick people. I mean, there's um, Ed, Ed Dowd, a former, I think it was formerly at Blackstone or BlackRock, one of those, uh, the statistician guy, um, is talking about how like the they can't get even in where he lives in Hawaii they can't get like laborers to do basic stuff like repair jobs because everybody is sick or everybody is like so uh, non-functional because of these vaccines that they can't uh, go to work or they can't uh, fulfill their obligations and this is only 2023 like this is only two years into this mass injection project things are just going to get worse unless they find a way to reverse this uh, buildup of spike proteins because it's there's right now there's no indication that the people who are injected with this stuff ever stop making these spike proteins. So there's just more and more and more of them. And I mean, you can slow down the replication pro process. There's plenty of doctors have come up with protocols to address like the symptoms of the problem or like slow it down or maybe stop them from attaching themselves to cells or whatever. But like you're still making them and it's it's a process that's they, they made sure that this stuff was really persistent. Well, if if that's true, then the mRNA countries versus the mRNA, the non-mRNA countries, that, that comparison really should become just really stark and undeniable at some point. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it entirely is uh, so far. Like China is, of course, non-mRNA, uh, and there are, most of Africa only got you know, little Africa bits. Africa isn't vaccinated of, at all. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. fine. Yeah, that's true. So that's, uh, a, yeah, that's another dead yeah. giveaway. Yeah, yeah, that does make you wonder, doesn't it? So, so anyway, that that comparison of vax to unvax and mRNA to non-mRNA really should be revealing. Now, the thing is, though, I, I have been following the quants, the you know, people who are really good with numbers, who have been critiquing uh, COVID and vaccine orthodoxy, um, and it, it does seem that I haven't yet seen any of them. Uh, present a really good case that the mRNA countries and populations have done that so much worse than the non-mRNA countries and populations that we could conclude that that technology was really just decimating people. And if that were the case, then the people who came up with this mRNA technology, the U.S. military, would have destroyed their own society and their allies and let their enemies rule the world. I mean, is, do you think they did that on purpose? Well, I mean, there's definitely an element in the U.S. government that is uh, very intent on destroying the U.S. Uh, as a country, and they've been doing that for decades now. So uh, I don't think that that's so far-fetched. But um, in terms of uh, mRNA versus non-mRNA countries, again, like you're looking at places that keep records very differently, uh, that deliberately, in, in some cases, make themselves diff difficult to, to compare. Uh, at least in the U.S., there was a very large financial incentive, especially in the beginning, to uh, re record things as COVID deaths, um, because you would get lots of money from the government for that. and um, But, it, yeah, in terms of the mRNA vaccines versus the non-mRNA vaccines, um, I, don't, I haven't seen any uh, ch charts that compare the two. I would I would actually like to, because that would be an interesting thing to compare, but you're running into a lot of these var variable problems. And, again, I think that uh, there's enough conclusions that can be drawn from looking within uh, individual countries that... Uh, because the, there are there are other variables too. I think that a lot, in a lot of cases these deaths are, are multifactorial. I mean, uh, now there was a lot of uh, people talking in a credibility grenade kind of way about 5G as being like the cause of this, which obviously it's not. That's not the thing. But but it is a uh, 5G 
is a, a weapon in and of itself. I mean, it's a dual-use technology, and um, it's known to increase the replication of, like, uh, I think mold. It's known to increase the, the rep replication of uh, various, like, harmful organisms that have a tendency to colonize the human body. So you might want to look into uh, what, 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 uh, to what degree these the countries that are particularly hard hit are using certain technologies, not even necessarily 5G. Do they use a lot of cell phones? Are they uh, swamped in electromagnetic radiation? There's, there's, uh, do they eat a lot of food that's tainted with glyphosate? Um, the, there are a lot of factors that can go into this that be, besides just mRNA, because you know that this stuff is interacting with everything else that people put in their bodies. And I mean, in the United States, people eat the worst diet up, like on the planet, pretty much. And um, we're, we're dropping like flies. So there's, yeah, the, I think that sugar is definitely a contributor to, uh, the, 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 I think it was, um, who was, I think it was Ryan Cole, Dr. Uh, Ryan Cole, oncologist, um, who was talking about how people who eat a lot of sugar, like it contributes to the problems with the spike protein making blood all clotty and sticky. It, he said it literally makes the blood sticky. So, like, there's more to this than just mRNA vaccines versus non-mRNA vaccines versus COVID. There's a lot more to it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, again, Ron's article coming up Monday is going to uh, claim, he says that it, he, he sees what he estimates would be about a, a 0.7 uh, correlation between obesity and uh, the working age uh, deaths, or what maybe it was just the cardiac deaths. So we'll we'll see we'll see where that goes. It's it's interesting that our public health authorities, as as Ron pointed out in the first hour, don't seem to have any concern with something like obesity, which of course is connected to these other factors, uh, exercise, vitamin D, and things like that. Um, they are they were just so relentlessly focused on masking, distancing, and then these mRNA vaccines. And in fact, there is really good evidence that a bunch of there's excellent evidence that vitamin D uh, helps with COVID outcomes, that exercise helps with COVID outcomes. And as Ron just pointed out, that, uh, that staying skinny helps with COVID outcomes. And yet none of that and seemed to why. ever make an impression on any of our public health authorities. You're acting like this is a mistake. Again, no, this is not a mistake. There was a deliberate reason why they shut down gyms, why they said don't go outside, because it was known from the beginning that vitamin D helped, that exercise helped. They, they knew obesity was like another one comorbidity as soon as people started dropping. Like in back in February, they knew that. And so, of course, they say stay home, don't go outside, don't get any sun. They, it was this was a deliberately calculated series of public health advisors. Again, this is you you can tell it's not a mistake because they didn't do any mistakes in the other direction. There was no like accidentally, oh, uh take a lot of um NAC. No, they actually tried to ban NAC on N-acetylcysteine, which is like hundreds of studies now saying that this helps with COVID, and it, it does. It's one of the things that the FLCCC talks about, uh, one that you should take if you have gotten vaccinated in order to uh, stop the, some of the damage. But uh, yeah, they, they actually tried to make NAC prescription only. <laughs> so it, it's not like this so this is anything accidental or any mistakes. This is, again, this is the need for accountability. And talking like these things are, are mistakes it get, lets these people off the hook. And we cannot afford to do that right now because these people want us dead. These people want us enslaved. And um, it looks like they're going to get what they want because people are too concerned with like, you know, we have to be fair. We have to be, we have to hear both sides of the story. It's like, you think they're going to let, they're going to let you tell your side of the story? Uh, no, they are going to clock you over the head, take your money, take your stuff and turn you into a genetic like malformation. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to, it's uh these like uh stuff that they want to put in people's heads and i'm sorry like 
uh, Neuralinks and, and this, this other one that I read about when I was writing this article, that the, the battery-free uh, thing that uses you as a battery. It's like, okay, um, didn't you see like that the in Matrix. the Matrix? Yeah, it, it, I, I included the clip it from, the, from the Matrix in my article because it's like, duh, um, a little bit on the nose there, guys. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have to you know pay some you know trademark uh, infringement fees to the Matrix movie when they implement that. Uh, yeah, this transhumanist agenda seems to be you know linked to the way they uh, dealt with COVID and probably the way they created COVID actually. Uh, that this faith in technology, uh, the purported faith in technology to solve all problems, which you know, may be one factor in the relentless pursuit of mRNA vaccines and excluding all of the other possible better ways to deal with it. Uh, that uh, faith in in the coming singularity when everything will change. It's the new form of transcendence for a, a bunch of materialists uh, and atheists. And so they, they think that a small select elite will somehow mutate into the Superman, a Nietzschean Superman, who will then presumably, or maybe it'll just be uh, the artificial life, artificial intelligence uh, uh, mix that somehow takes over and eliminates all of humanity. But whatever comes next, it's going to be better than us. It's something Somebody's going to put normal humanity out of business, and that's a good thing. Now, that just strikes me as really strange that we normal human beings would put up with this technologically empowered elite that's bent on our extermination. And I guess the COVID situation sort of illustrates that. Uh, do you find it odd that that our you know our intellectual elite, our scientific elite, our political elite seems to openly yearn for our extermination? Well, it's not so much that they yearn for our extermination. At least well, some of the, some of the elites do. Yes, certainly. But uh, the the functionaries, the second, the next level ones. They they just want somebody to tell them what to do and uh, that that will value their rule obeying skills. So it's like you end up with all these people who who never want to actually have the responsibility of having an original thought in their life. So if they have a machine that, that's telling them what to do at, at any given time, then uh, that that liberates them from the uh, burden of having to like make decisions. And I mean, COVID for was it filled a void in a lot of people in terms of like giving them a meaning for their existence because they they could they were they were doing their part by staying home and staying safe and in terms of so so the, the, these people are not the ones that are going to stand up and make waves and these and i think that a lot of people who got vaccinated actually did so because they didn't want to make waves i mean i, I know people who got vaccinated because they wanted to go to some event at their children's school like it, we're talking like really low level stuff here and like this the fact that people are so unconcerned with like their bodily autonomy just suggests to me that uh, it's not just the elites who want the human extermination it's humans themselves who think that okay well you know my my life is completely meaningless so i mean you know it's it's uh, it, and I don't think they, they they rise to that conscious level. I think that they just walk around with this like sense of um, just non-existence. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, catastrophic contagion exercise looks interesting. You know, there was that crimson contagion exercise run by Robert Cadillac during the 2019 run-up to the COVID apparent bioattack on China and Iran. And there were, of course, other, quote unquote, preparedness exercises going on as well. And now there's this catastrophic contagion exercise that looks forward to another uh, round of viral insanity. Um, so 
I, I guess, you know, they're, of course, telling us that this is all designed to prepare so we can do better next time. And, you know, after Emily Oster gets done uh, with her pandemic am- amnesty for this past pandemic, then we could have a whole new one and they'll do better next time because they've, they've pre- planned for their catastrophic contagion. But frankly, you know, when we had this this rash of these exercises that prefigured COVID, uh, especially Crimson Contagion, now that we see uh, a new one predicting a, a new pandemic, somehow that doesn't really reassure me that it's going to be better next time. And in fact, since the previous pandemic was obviously man-made, it makes me wonder whether the same people that gave us the last one are working on another one. Well, they probably already have not made. It's probably just sitting, sitting in the refrigerator waiting for the right time. I mean, Bill Gates even said, like, well, I think that he, when he was talking about how disappointed he was in us for not, like, giving up our souls to him, um, he said something about, uh, well, the next one will get their attention. And sure enough, this one is uh, targets kids. It's at 15 to 20 million dead kids. So that's definitely going to get people's attention. And um, it's, I think, he, what, when was it set? 2025? I, I believe it's 2025. But the, the lesson that he said that, that, that we learned from it is that uh, we need to trust every uh, trust authority, and it's terrible that we don't trust authority. And he's gone, gone around doing his latest speaking tours all about how we need to trust authority because this is why the, the response to COVID failed so terribly. It wasn't because, like, it was designed to fail. I mean, fail, again, this is, like, it, it implies that it was meant to, like, cure people or have people survive and stuff. No, it didn't fail at all. It did. It it's worked spectacularly well, and it's uh, that's why, they, why they're setting it up for this one because he's... It, the, yeah, the, the idea is that, oh, we need to, to trust uh, all these authority figures because uh, otherwise, then we will be led astray by misinformation and disinformation. And this is like, even well, this was even during COVID. That that was the major boogeyman. Before it was even declared a pandemic, there was Mike Ryan at the, of the WHO, that like the most unhealthy looking health official you're ever going to see. Um, like total red face. Like, and and that's saying something, these. by the way. Yeah, he's really like gross looking. And he, he was talking about, oh, oh, it's an infodemic that we face. Um, this uh, terrible ideas are spreading rapidly and uh, unauthorizedly, and we must uh, do something about it. So that's why they have this uh, WHO with their global pandemic treaty, which like there's still not enough people talking about that, by the way. I don't understand how that's not like on the top of all alt media people's like radar. I realize that there's not much that you can say about it once you've talked about it, but it should be monitored and it should be watched. And they do occasionally put out new drafts of it and stuff. And like, it's uh, absolutely terrifying. And it includes a ministry of truth that is like funded by member countries. So you assume this funding is not optional. I don't think that uh, they're going to say that, uh, oh, I don't want to fund the ministry of truth part. Oh, really? Well, guess who's going to host the next pandemic then? Huh? Yeah, so like this, and, and like, it's going like to be the a- African leaders who didn't want to take part in the vaccination campaigns. Yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> so that, yeah. same with the guy, same with the guy in Haiti. Um, so it's like, yeah, if you're not a team player, you're not going to live very long. And they've made this very clear, which is why if you watch the highlights reel from from a uh, catastrophic contagion, it's all these African leaders like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, sir. They're all like being so like obsequious, and it's really gross because you know they don't want to end up like John Magafuli, the guy from Tanzania who uh he 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 got one over on the WHO by swiping a uh, a goat and a pup uh, some kind of fruit and a, a car yeah, and sending, sending them in and sending them in they all came back positive so it's like he he made a fool out of them and so they then uh, Gates Foundation comes out with an op-ed in the Guardian about how we need to do something about uh, this John Magafuli and his anti-vaccine ways two weeks later he's dead and uh yeah we're supposed to think that that's just totally cool and normal and that uh we, it's really the, the his his penchant for disinformation was what did it to him, not uh, the Gates Foundation's death squads, which you know they have. 
Yeah, it's interesting that this catastrophic contagion exercise stresses the importance of inculcating absolute faith in authority. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and that's that's really a thing now, I guess. It seems a little strange to me. You know, I'm old enough to remember how things were back in the 60s, which arrived in Wisconsin in the 70s when I was old enough to kind of figure out what was going on. And back then, you know, there was the famous line, don't trust anyone over 30. There was a <laughs> real epidemic, a pandemic even, of uh, lack of faith in authority. And people thought for themselves. And, yeah, there were a lot of stupid things going on. People made a lot of mistakes uh, back in that generation. But those are the, the boomers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of right on the cusp of the boomers and whatever it was that came next, Gen X or whatever. But, you know, the boomers are now in charge of the world and starting to retire. And that generation was famous for its total lack of faith and trust in authority. When the Vietnam War happened, they didn't believe the narrative. They protested. They caused all kinds of havoc. They fought back. They were bombings, uh, what the weathermen, you know, a lot of, you know, there, there were massive demonstrations and, you know, Nixon had to send the National Guard to shoot the kids at Kent State. And, you know, there were like a, a half a million, million people in Washington. You know, people really were not uh, buying into what authority was telling them. And that was probably a good thing, really, in most cases anyway. And so now today, that generation, you know, managed by what's left of the boomers as they start fading out into retirement, is telling us that we have to have absolute faith in authority. And they can tell us all of this complete nonsense, uh, much of which has been fully exposed by now as nonsense uh, from uh, from the COVID era, as well as so many other things. And we all have to believe everything they say. I don't quite understand how that boomer generation, you know, went from questioning authority to becoming fascist authoritarians. And especially, I don't understand how the left wing of it uh, became the leading authoritarian arm now. It's actually, bizarrely enough, it's the left rather than the right that's telling us to trust our leaders and, and click our heels and salute and march off to whatever war or bio war they declare. And uh, how, how did things flip that way? Well, it was a gradual process. I mean, obviously it didn't happen all at once, but what they did was they uh, sort of put in the, the, the they would they would uh, go with these like my, these uh, marginal go into these marginal communities and uh, get make it so that it's the, the, they were you were supporting the oppressed by uh, by doing what these marginal uh, entities said, and so it was just more and more of that, and they brought it into the mainstream, and they they, they emphasized like the most out there, like ridiculous aspects of marginal leftist theory, stuff like intersectionality and like this uh, obsession with transgenderness uh, and just just like going for the, the most uh, obscure, like theoretical um, just things that, that didn't have mainstream appeal. So it was like, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm confusing this a little bit in my head, but uh, the, the, the and then they, they hit on these wedge issues, of course, that th things that most people don't care about or most that don't affect people's real lives stuff like okay abortion um that doesn't like 99% of people are not going to interact with abortion in their day-to-day -day life they might have one at some point or they might know somebody who's had one but it's not like a, a central issue but if you talk to like a political activists today they they the democrats at least it's like all they care about and um also, this, this intersectionality thing, but yeah, that, that uh, they 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 got people to associate um, the FBI and uh, all of these uh, government agencies with opposition to. Okay, well, Trump is now held up as the the opposite of this protecting the oppressed and this 
uh, these like weird, obscure, like uh, I don't even know what, what you would call it, but these. Uh, I, I don't know the, the, way, the, way, the way that they eventually did it was just playing on this uh, this uh, this uh, horror of this crudity that was this one guy and that oh this is this man em- embodies fascism and therefore they they were they were scared pretty much out of their minds by the support for Occupy and how like people actually did remember that there was this economic thing so they had to get rid of that and they had to get rid of class consciousness by focusing on this intersectionality crap and this like. Uh, obscure divisions in uh, people that that most people didn't think about. I mean, most people don't go around thinking about race or thinking about like, gee, what is the sexuality of this person over there? And uh, it, it's like it, it's not not really a thing, and it certainly wasn't a thing before this whole process had to happen. And so once you have erased or at least memory hold partially class consciousness, then you have uh, people who have a whole lot of like the, their politics are completely upended because they don't have a reason for anything that they're doing. So you have to give them a reason, and the reason can be completely insane, such as Orange Man bad, and or Putin bad, or whatever it is bad. But as long as it's something to uh, motivate them, then that that that's what you have. And so you have end up with these people who em- embrace the FBI because they're against Trump. And it's like it, it really you know that they're laughing their asses off when they do this sort of thing, because the FBI, I mean, since its inception has like been designed to crush the left. And hey, sure enough, left is crushed. So, I mean, a lot of these people are not genuinely the left, of course. They're, they're these boot looking like military fetishists. But it's it, that that's also the thing is that you have you have all of these groups like these um like right-wing uh, think tanks that came out with these papers about quote-unquote social justice all around the same time, like right uh, around the same time as Occupy, actually. And uh, you have to ask, why are these people all suddenly like obsessed with social justice? That's a little weird. And uh, yeah, and then around then it starts popping up in these marginal communities and gradually gets more and more into the mainstream. And sorry, that was extremely long-winded. I, my brain was uh, gears were grinding at the beginning there, but I think I got to the point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, the the left is they're in love with the alphabet agencies now. They're they're in love with the proxy war on Russia. They uh, they support the CIA rioters and terrorists in Iran. They're probably ready to go to war to steal Taiwan from China, and uh, God knows what else. And they even seem to like the most abusive, corrupt corporations like Pfizer. You wrote about uh, the history of Pfizer and Albert Bourla. And it's it's interesting that it's people like uh, the conservative Republican Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin here who is uh, looking askance on Pfizer and the rest of the COVID so-called containment policy, whereas the left where, you know, RFK Jr., you know, used to be a kind of a normal left leaning person who you know, didn't particularly like big corrupt uh, corporations and, and oligarchs. But, but now it seems like the left is not interested in exposing the crimes of these big corporations like Pfizer either. So they've, they've kind of given up on everything. They've given up on peace. They've given up on freedom. They've given up on uh, support for economic justice and going after the corruption of the big corporations. It's, it's real strange. And, and, you know, with, with Pfizer and Moderna and uh, the rest of big pharma and this you know, big uh, biowar uh, industrial complex, one would think that the left would be going after them. Uh, but for whatever reason they're not, it's 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 left to people like you and me, whatever who whatever we are these days. I don't know to talk about these things. So maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit more about Pfizer and the um, that history of fraud and criminality that nobody talks about in the mainstream. 
Well, I mean, one of the ways that these companies get away with it and ingratiate themselves to the left is what is now the left is by just using these buzzwords like Sam Bankman Fried actually uh, sort of like revealed a truth when he he made some comment about when he, I think after he was arrested, they interviewed him and he was talking about how, yes, it really was that easy to get to fool people just by talking about being virtuous. And then they don't ask any more questions. And it's that's it. And you're you're in. And they think that, that uh, you're God's gift to whatever. So, I mean, I'm assuming that that's that Pfizer just puts up a rainbow flag and everybody just is, is willing to forgive and forget. But, you yeah, know, they, they they were they had to pay the high the record highest fine criminal fine in the history of like the pharmaceutical industry to the Justice Department for uh, mislabeling, mismarketing, selling their drugs off label as things they were not uh, approved to sell for um, just in general fraud. I mean, and, and they've had case after case after case of this. It's not like this was an isolated incident. There have been drugs that have killed people. There have been um, I mean, well, Albert Bulla in its himself is a, is a piece of work. I mean, he's for one thing, he's got a degree in veterinary technician, a bio, biological, like a veterinary reproduction. So it's like, why do you have a guy who's like uh, his thing is about uh, animal husbandry running the company that's like supposedly saving humanity from the scary, scary virus? That's a little weird. And then you he's look managing at managing the human flock. Yeah, that's true. And the way that he managed the animal flocks, it's really not looking good for humanity because that 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 uh, the drug that uh, he gave, that he invented for uh, pregnant cows to stop them having diarrhea called it a vaccine, which doesn't make any sense because it didn't wasn't a vaccine. It was just to stop them having diarrhea. But instead of stopping them ha having diarrhea, it uh, gave the, the cattle that were born of these uh, mother cows that they were that were pregnant uh, ended up having this horrible uh, thing happen to them where they just blood comes out of everywhere, like their orifices, their pores they just became this like bloody mess and so it's like sometimes you know things it, there's a sign there and uh, so rather than stop selling that drug they uh, Albert Bulla, who was running the animal vaccine division at the time, was able to. This happened in Germany. That this that it initially emerged. This was killing all these animals. And this he just fobbed it off on other countries and was able to get away with that and did this for years. And so Pfizer, of course, they hey we love fraud. Fraud is awesome. Yeah, killing people really cool. So we're gonna reward you. And so they, they he he's stayed on and he came up with another drug to castrate boars and uh, to because apparently if you like castrate if, if you, you get if you eat a boar and a boar is not castrated it tastes funny i don't know anything about this i don't eat pigs i think you know you are what you eat that that's disgusting but um it, he, so they want to find a way to like make the pigs not taste bad but without actually having to go and cut their balls off because boars are like ferocious and will completely like do horrible things to you if you get too close to their balls and you're not like quick about it so he comes up with this like chemical castration which again he calls a vaccine which is totally not i mean unless you're vaccinating yourself against balls i don't, I don't really know but um and gives them that and then that that magically stops the meat from tasting funny and you have a castrated boar who's not who's still has balls so he sees them and he, he doesn't understand why he's not horny anymore and he's like hmm so he's confused but apparently he tastes good so everyone's happy and it's also interesting are they, because, are they like, doing this to the people i wonder yeah, they are doing. This is the point. Uh, this is why they picked him because he not only is able to cover up the large numbers of deaths of people by his drugs, but he also is able to render them infertile through things called vaccines. And um, apparently, this is also he, he. This is when he learned to do this statistical fraud as well because he said that well, this this uh, this chemical castration is 99% as effective as actually cutting their balls off. And it's like, how do you actually measure that? I mean, do you ask the boar like, does he feel castrated? Like, do you? Uh, it's so weird that they would even put a number on that. And well, I guess, I guess you do way. a taste test. 
I, I, yeah, but I mean, you can't statistically measure it. Like a taste is a subjective thing, like qualitative. It, On a totally scale different. of one to ten, do you do you think that this gas tastes like balls? Does it taste like balls? Yeah, yeah. And, and then they if they if they're going to move that into uh, into humans, I guess they would have to go to find the cannibal populations of the South Sea Islands and feed them some castrated long pig. Well, and, I mean, uh, you can just look at the birth rates of like all these countries that have been taking the vaccine. Uh, they're yeah, not going up. True. Let's say, I mean, and I mean, they were going we, down. We need already. to turn around uns loose on that one. <laughs> yeah, he's. I don't know how he's gonna like. I don't know. Weedle, weedle his way out of that one. That's that's not gonna happen. And there, there is no like. I think which was the country that really had, there was there was like a, a chart that somebody posted, and they were all going down. But then there was one that was really really far down. I think it was Australia. Australia was just plummeting. So it's like. And, and Australia, of course, actually, that's something that Ron Unz should answer for, because there was like no COVID cases there. They uh, they were all locked down 24-7. And then as soon as people started getting vaccinated, they were like dropping like flies. Well, of course, of course, what Ron rumors. might say or what, you know, a lot of people would say would be, well, they were like so locked down that they couldn't really spread COVID. And then they opened up, they vaxxed everybody. And those vaxes are really not as effective as they tell us. In fact, they're totally ineffective at preventing transmission. In fact, the more, well, more you get boosted, it seems like the more COVID you get. Yeah. Yeah, they, so, they, didn't even they didn't even test yeah. whether they could prevent transmission. They didn't care. It wasn't that yeah. wasn't part of the well, thing. Well, it turns out it augments transmission. It looks like yeah, some of the, the new studies yeah. are showing that yeah, the, the more boosters you've had, the more likely you are to catch COVID. No, that because doesn't because necessarily mean you're going to die. No, it destroys your immune system. I mean, you, you if you are eventually uh, exposed to, I mean, it's like the what's that the science fiction movie where the aliens die of the common cold. Um, just that? No, it's not World War. Well, I don't anyway. remember that. But, yeah. And it's some some science fiction movie from like the 1950s. But at any rate, it's like yeah. So they, they it becomes a thing where you maybe okay maybe you don't die immediately of the vaccine, but you do end up having this situation where you basically have like I mean people call it VAIDS or vaccine AIDS or whatever because your immune system is just like completely destroyed and you cannot fight off infections. So you end up getting colonized by however many other uh, bugs are out there, and maybe you don't. Uh, end up with a spike protein to the throat but like you do eventually die and um, obviously everyone eventually dies but you die faster than you normally would and, and so even if the statistics that we have so far are not showing a huge you know excess mortality totally obviously and clearly and ambiguously uh, attributed to the vaccines it could very well be that the kind of stuff you're talking about whether you know the the fertility effects the uh, the fact that the more boosted you are, the more COVID you catch, which doesn't bode well for your immune system, that over time, it very likely could become clear that these vaccines are uh, causing uh, vastly greater harm than was evident at first. And I suppose then one could even become suspicious that, you know, that there are the people who think that this is really all about a Malthusian plot to limit the population, cull the herd, and uh, well, and so then, you know, it's not like chemically you castrate guess. them. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to guess. Yeah. You can just listen to Yuval Noah Harari talking about useless eaters and how they, they need to be, like, you know, taken out of circulation. And not, not taken out of circulation as in killed, but, like, stopped from reproducing and just put put it, put it them in a corner with video games and lots of drugs and, like, then uh, the, the rest of the technocrats can get around to ruling the world. And uh, that's, like, this, this is not stuff that's secret. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is, like, they go out and say it in public in, like, large uh, halls that they then post on YouTube. And so, the, the, again, this is not anything that, that one has to dig or, like, look for. It, this is, the, none of this stuff is mistakes. This is all very much, like, in line with their plan. The known traveler digital identity was took the, this social credit score that is also your financial uh, credit score and your uh, vaccine pass and your um, passport and every other uh, biometric and ID document you can possibly think of, plus, again, social credit score, uh, your, your behavioral uh, re records. 
This was all, you know, a WEF white paper from 2018. I believe it was a plan before that, but this is when they put out the schematic. And, of course, they immediately started testing that in 2020 with all of these uh, travel bans. So it was all these airlines were in on it, KLM, which was, I believe, they were actually involved in Event 201, which, again, if you want to have proof of premeditation and malice of forethought, look at look at the, the comment lines that go through these whole simulations and things. They're all there. Oh, okay, we will, we will definitely look at that. And I agree with you completely about pushing that and making sure this doesn't happen again. We don't want to act like chemically castrated boars here. We want to get out there and uh, change the situation. Well, thank you so much. Helen, I missed you. You've the great work. Helen, have destroyed us. Let's check that out. Thank you.